one thing I'm you know, a huge believer in from a leadership philosophy perspective, one, there are always better, more efficient, more effective ways to do things. There's always ways to improve. And second of all, we're in this together. And at some point, face-to-face is better than virtual. And I know it's not possible in all situations, but how do we accelerate the movement forward by spending more time up front than just letting it kind of drag on and on and on? That moment was a light bulb for me where now when I'm working with clients, I'm always asking, what's the one thing that is taking four weeks or four months that should take four hours? And what adjustments do we need to make to spend the time now so we can have the huge benefit and gain later? Hello, and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Sue. Today, I'm happy to host Matt Phillips. As a leadership coach and host of the Matt Phillips podcast, Matt helps sales leaders achieve pro-level performance by developing and harnessing their mental thoughtness. By combining his background as a professional baseball player with his global experience in sales, operations, and accounting, Matt supports business leaders and teams as they break through the mental roadblocks that arises in their daily grind to help them realize their potential in their personal professional lives. Today, we will speak about what are the aspects of mental thoughtness for successful leaders and much more. So stay with us. Matt, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate you having me. It's great to meet you. Me too. So I always like to start with a personal question, and I will be happy to hear how did you discover your own personal leadership philosophy that you currently bring to leaders and managers that you work with? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you know, I probably like most like you and most of your listeners have this just, I've always had this desire within me to grow and develop and get to the next level and lead teams. And that was just something I was always passionate about. And, you know, early in my career, especially, I remember I started my career in, in audit and accounting. And, you know, you get these little opportunities to step up and, and just get that little promotion and start leading a couple people in that bigger promotion. And I always remember you know, getting in those roles, I wanted them. And yet when I got in them, I was kind of, I don't don't, don't want to say lost, but a little bit lost of like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Like I've got people underneath me and, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, what do they need from me? What do I need from them? Am I being clear? How do I transition from kind of, you know, a colleague and a a friend, if you will, to, well, now I'm I'm a boss, I guess, on paper or, you know, in, in reality. So for me, it was always, you know, me just looking like early on, I don't know what it was, but just early on me thinking about those types of things and never really knowing what that was and trying certain things and, and, you know, making adjustments and pivots along the way. And I finally sat down. I remember I read a book years ago. It's called win forever. And it's a, an American football coach named Pete Carroll talked about how he had achieved great success in the national football league. And people would ask him how he did it. And he never had an answer. And it was always this kind of cliche, you know, well, we recruit well or draft well or, 
you know, get the most out of people is these very cliche answers. And then the reason he wrote the book was that he finally was like, I need to figure out what, like how to answer that properly. And so in that book, he defined his coaching philosophy, right? Which is very similar to a leadership philosophy, but here's the components specifically, excuse me, that are going to make us successful as uh, athletes in this case, and also our coaching staff. And it's something that just became Every time he interviewed someone, he would show it to them and say, these are the expectations. Every time someone, an athlete joined the team, he would show them that saying, these are the expectations of you and me as your coach. And that book always stuck out to me as I was progressing up the ranks of, you know, it's time for me to define what's, what's Matt Phillips' leadership philosophy, where I can, if I'm interviewing someone, that I can specifically tell them like, okay, this is, this is how it's going to work. This is what it looks like. This is what you should expect from me and vice versa. And Let's get the most out of this opportunity. And a lot of times it's not saying I was doing bad things or wrong things. It was just that book I remember was that, I don't know, kind of moment where I'm like, oh, I need something like that. And that was that kind of kickoff moment for me. Interesting. So we will get to your philosophy. But before that, I'm curious if you can share a moment, a learning experience that you went through in your journey and how it impacted your philosophy and the way you act. Yes. You know, oh, so many, so many paths I could take this, Karen. One of the biggest ones for me was really when I was working for this Fortune 500 company. And, you know, especially when you work for big, big companies, it can be slower in a lot of cases, right? As you just work the system and, and understand how to navigate the politics and all those sorts of things within a big organization. And, we were dealing with uh, something. I was working for a money transfer company. And at the time, if something happened in the world and we wanted to change a price on the website, it took actually an extensive amount of time, way longer than it should. And we knew this and we were trying to fix it. And you know, in a global organization as well, you have people all over the world working on you know, the technology behind it and the processes. And so there's lots of, lots of hands in the cookie jar, if you will, lots of people involved. And I remember getting pretty frustrated at a certain point because it felt like this, you know, one step forward and two steps back and then another step forward and two steps back. And I, it was, we were, I felt like we were just banging our head up against a wall. And I finally got to the point where I went to my boss and I built this whole business plan before I walked to my boss. And I said, we have to solve this issue and trying to accomplish this separately it's taking, it's going to take four years and this should take about four weeks. And so I put this plan together. We identified who the right people were to bring people into Denver where this company is headquartered and sit for two days and map out the entire process to figure out exactly where the pain point was. And if we remove that, that's where we're going to have the gains, right? So we should be able to change a price in you know two minutes, not two weeks. And so I had the costs and I put this all together, presented it to my boss. I think he had a couple changes to, you know, certain individuals to join us in Denver. It cost about $20,000 to do this. We pulled it together, did it, brought him in. And I'll tell you a quick story and then why this was so impactful on my leadership philosophy, Karen, but we brought everyone in and we are probably three hours into the two days. So just had really started. About three hours in and we have sticky notes. We're whiteboarding everything out and putting stuff up on the wall. And I, I'll never forget these two people who are sitting across the room from each other. So this one woman made a comment about some part of the process. And this guy out of nowhere says, wait a minute. He says, you do that? And he kind of yelled it across the room. 
And she said, well, wait a minute. So you're telling me you do this? And they both looked at each other and then looked back at the front of the room at me and said, we know how to fix it. Really? And it was just that moment of like, one thing I'm uh, you know, a huge believer in from a leadership philosophy perspective is it's really two things. One, there are always better, more efficient, more effective ways to do things. And we have to look for those and challenge the current status, the status quo. And there's, there's always ways to improve. And second of all, we're in this together. And at some point, face-to-face is better than virtual. And I know it's not possible in all situations, but how do we accelerate the movement forward by spending more time up front than just letting it kind of drag on and on and on? And that moment was a light bulb for me where now when I'm working with clients, I'm always asking, okay, what's the one thing that is taking four weeks or four months that should take four hours? And what adjustments do we need to make to spend the time now so we can have the huge benefit and gain later. So that's a huge story for me in, in my career coming up before I started my business, of course. Amazing. It's like an epiphany moment because you saw that magic, kind of a magic occurred there, right? Only by listening deeper to each other and being in the same space, something new emerged, right? How important it is. It is. And I think too, the, the interesting part is I have like an infatuation with whiteboards, which sounds weird, but I, I love whiteboards. And if you look at the science behind it, like in the way the brain works, oftentimes we're talking and talking and we hear certain things. We're like, okay, okay. When we combine that with like drawing it out and, or writing it out, the brain sees the information differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think also that exercise of like putting sticky notes on a whiteboard or on a, on a, a wall that helped these individuals in the room and me finally understand that it differently, let our brain process it differently. So it's also that, you know, beyond, you know, let's get in a room and rah, rah, and we're, you know, we're in this together and we'll do this. It's mm-hmm. let's trigger our brain to look at these things differently through hearing and seeing. And I think that helped us really get over the hump there. Amazing. And I want to reframe it. And I think it's the ability really to be mindful and present and really listen to what says beyond our perceptions, beyond our assumptions, yes. and to create the space for something new to emerge. And maybe the technique for you was the sticky notes, but it's, I think it's beyond that. It's the ability to really let go of our assumptions and to be open-minded, to look at the broader picture, and then you can have this epiphany moment that it's beyond each and every one of us, right? It's something the wisdom of the crowd, right? Something occurs there. Yes. So true. Yeah, I'm, inter- I'm reading this book. I just picked it up. It's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. Uh-huh. I think I'm saying that right. And it's a fairly new book. But it's by Darren Hardy and Dan Sullivan, I believe. They co-authored it. And in the book, I was reading this morning, actually, that you know, when you think about, when you think about like, if we're going to explode this business, right, if we're going to grow this or really do things differently, which they call the 10x mindset, right, just doing things differently. 2x is kind of this little incremental, like, well, let's make these little changes. And it, it moves the needle, but not as much as like 10xing it. And when you 10x, to your point, you have to take assumptions and set them to the side. And you have to look at it fresh to your point and be mindful and present and and not negate a possibility because it could be a really good possibility and that openness to it. So you're reminding me of that book. I was just spending a little time reading this morning that that that's where the growth comes from. We talked the 80, 20 rule. 
when you're open to that, amazing things happen. I couldn't agree more. So now I'm curious to hear your philosophy of leadership and management, and then we'll delve into it and hear examples. Yes. So I always, I, I love to ask people this question of like, what's your leadership philosophy? And again, as you know, it's something that's really helped guide me as a leader in an organization, guides me to this day with the team that we have. And again, it's setting clear expectations. It's making sure, you know, actions are behind the words that we speak. Mm-hmm. And so when, when, so if I was talking to you and you were interviewing for the organization, Karen, I would simply tell you that, you know, well, first of all, thank you for your time, of course, um, be, uh, be very thankful, but say, you know, if we proceed with this, if you join the team, I'll, I'll tell you what makes us successful. And you have to understand when you join the team that we set the bar, we are the gold standard. And I want every one of our competitors to look at us and ask the question, what would they do? What would they do as far as their people, their processes, their systems, and the way they collaborate? And then, Karen, that's where I usually pause for a moment because I want it to sink in. I, I, I want to create a company, an organization, a, a function, a, a team, whatever, whatever that's different than everyone else. And I, I want to hold a high expectation and a high standard of people and of myself. And I expect that same in return. And I kind of let that sink in a little bit with different individuals I talk to. And then, for example, then obviously questions come about what do you like, what do you mean? What does that look like? And one of the components we can talk about is, you know, perhaps is I'm just a big believer in painting the picture. It's like, what is this going to look like to me? Mm-hmm. So I'm an employee in an organization. You have to create a movie or paint a picture of like, how, how's this going to impact me? Because they're like, oh, that's nice. Set a high standard. Uh, we want people to look at us. What would they do? People, process, systems, collaboration. That's important to Matt. We kind of ask the question just selfishly, which we should like, so what? I mean, I've asked that of bosses. They give me the, like, so what? How's that going to impact me? <laughs> so, <laughs> What's in it for me, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so like, I, I talked a little about the process before. So that, that one there, I dive deeper and I say, when you join the team, what I mean of setting a high standard is, first and foremost, we're going to document everything we do. And here's why. First of all, it will ensure we have a very complete understanding of what we do and why we do it. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if one of us happens to be out, we can pick it up. We can still accomplish the goal of the company, right? Based on vacations or sick or whatever might happen. Third, and most importantly, there are always more effective, more efficient ways to do things. And every six months, we're going to sit and we're going to go through these processes and challenge the way we do things and look for things that we can improve. And so I paint that picture for these different individuals. And then what happens when they join, like this one individual joined about a company about a year ago, First of all, she got access to our folder with all the process documents in them. Mm-hmm. Second of all, a meeting invite that recurs every six months showed up in her inbox. And it was for a couple hours each time where every six months, like I said, we're going to sit down and do this. And then we actually just showed up for the meeting and did that. So again, it's like tying that kind of deep paint the picture and then the actions that actually follow. So that's just kind of a brief example of how I Talk about my, my leadership philosophy. First of all, I love it that you say, what is it for me? How will it, will it impact my behavior in the day-to-day? You actually connect the words, the values, the statements to, to our action, right? Because if there's, a, there's not an alignment and we don't understand what does it mean for us, so 
it's kind of like vague and we don't really implement it. So you say, what I hear from you, you really need to understand what are you doing, the why, the broader picture, to be connected to the broader picture with everybody and then understand how to implement it in the details, going to the details, understanding how will you, you, your day will look like, right? Yes. In order to achieve these goals. Exactly. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I was writing, we have three children. So 18, 16, and 12. So two girls and a boy. And I was riding with my son a, a couple of years ago now in the car. And I was explaining this phrase that a lot of parents understand or learn. Um, and maybe it's a, it's a U.S. thing at, at least. But the phrase is, your children are watching. Hmm. And I imagine that cross that crosses cultures and things like that. Yeah. The phrase I told my son is not your children are listening. That's not the phrase. And I said, it's your children are watching. And I said, there's a big difference of I could, I told my son, I could talk at you all day long, do this, do that, do this, do that. But if you never see me as your father, do those things. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I won't do it. So I said, for example, if I tell you to do, 100 push-ups a day. And you never see me do one push-up in my entire life. What are you going to do? He goes, I won't do a push-up. I said, that's the reason. Like the actions speak louder than words. So I, it's better that I be quiet and do push-ups and let him pick up on that and start doing push-ups than me to tell him over and over again. I think the same thing is true in, in leading people, right? I think there's these phrases that we use a lot where it's, we know what they mean, but not really. So, you know, Karen, if you and I were to go to one of your clients today and you and I walk in and we tell that individual, like, be a better leader today. And then you and I turn around and walk out. Like, what's that person left thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what, is he, what do they mean? Like, what do they do, first of all? And what do they mean? Like, do I need to show up early? Do I need to stay later? Do I need to, you know, I, I was like walk faster in the office so I, I appear busier because I'm walking fast? Like, you know, like, what do you mean? And I think that's where this, like, we as leaders have to provide this specificity, these specifics to these individuals of like, this is what it looks like. This is what I'm seeing. Not be better or work harder or be a better leader. It's let's be a better leader, but here's what I mean by that. And I think that's that back to action, back to like painting the picture, which I think is, it's missing a lot today because, you know, even in your introduction, you talked about how, uh, you know, the one, the one true differentiator that we focus on in our business within leadership is mental toughness. Mm-hmm. I, people are like, Ooh, like I want a strong mindset. I want to be resilient. I want to be mentally tough. I want to like, however you say it, but that's pretty squishy, right? Of like, well, what do you mean by that? Be mentally tough, like get, get back up after I've been knocked down. Okay. I get that. But what does it actually mean? And I think that's, our, that's an opportunity for all of us to define it, specifics, to help that person continue to take action. Mm-hmm. So I want to recap a few things that you said. First of all, I really agree with you. You talked about leading by example. We can talk till tomorrow, but at the end of the day, our actions are louder than our words, right? Correct. And the second thing I think... I, you talked about your kid doing push-ups, but, you know, as leaders, I think we need to understand also the motivation because if he doesn't want to do push-up, he won't do push-up, even if I'm doing push-up, right? So we need to really define what's important to, to this employee, to this uh, person, and to connect to their really 
intrinsic motivation and to help them fulfill themselves from this place. Another thing that you said, I, I think this is also a crucial thing. I, as I see it, a lot of people don't feel comfortable not showing a coherent personality or identity. Like I don't, I can't say that I didn't understand what you say right now because I would really perceive me. So I'm playing the game that I guess I understood, but I didn't understand anything. Mm. And I think this is a new, new ability that we need to nourish to be able not to know the answers, to hold the space and to, to hold the uncertainty and to, to be okay with it as, as a leader. Say, okay, you know, I don't know what's the right way forward. I feel that it's not the right way because of the feedback I got from the client, but I don't know what's the right way. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts and to hold this space. And from this space, actually, I'm circling back. Then the magic can occur. Otherwise, we're not really producing creative, innovative products, services, fine-tuning, yes. you know, playing a game that, you know, it's not authentic. What do you think about it? 100% agree. So I, I just got back uh, to Denver on Thursday this week. And I went there to meet with a leadership team to Tampa in Tampa, Florida. And I asked them a question. I asked them, and for all your listeners, I'd be curious their answers. But I asked them, I said, what's the number one skill that you need to develop and master if you're going to be successful as a leader in life or business? Like what's the number one skill? And, and they all got up and they wrote on the, these big white sheets of paper, like what their answer was. And there were a lot of answers like, well, I'll ask you, what, what, would your, what would your answer be? Can I ask you, Karen? What uh, ability? I think a, a agility mindset, humbleness. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Is love it. Cool? Love it. So great answer. And, and people are talking about listening, communication, mindset, all that sort of stuff. Great answers. Great answers. And then I, I put my answer on the board. And my answer is self-confidence. And that's actually the first element of when I talk, when I say mental toughness, we have five elements we talk about. Number one, mm -hmm. the foundation is confidence. So everything you just said, I 100% agree because I, the way I talk about it is everything you're speaking about is confidence. Do I have the confidence to say, I don't know? Mm. Do I have the confidence to say, let me think about it? Do I have the confidence to be excited for someone on my team who came up with the idea even though I wasn't the one who came up with the idea, right? And I think everything we talk about is starting from that place. Mm -hmm. And it's not a fake it till you make it, you know, concept. It's truly working on it every day and leveraging like where you've been successful in the past. I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it, but that's where even that creative thinking, like it starts from this place of confidence saying, I don't know. I need to be open to possibilities. I need to be like pull myself into a mindful state in order to have this, this conversation or this brainstorming session or whatever it is. It all stems from confidence. So we talked about that as a group when I was in Florida and I could not agree more with, with everything you said. I just talk about it in that frame of confidence is everything. So I love it. And you know, I, I agree with you because you know, it's different words, but we mean the same Yes. And I think this is what we need to nourish nowadays to help people connect better with themselves, be aligned with their passion, with their way of seeing things and not pleasing others and not acting out of egos, right? Because when I act out of egos, I'm looking for external rewards. And once I'm working for my really um, inner motivation and my passion, I'm, my 
my rewards is internal, right? I'm like in the flow state of mind. I'm feeling yes. meaningfulness and excited and uh, passionate. And I think this is a, the involvement of leadership nowadays, really connecting and managing now, showing up fully and daring to not please others and to, to confront each other. I think we need more of it in the business world. What do you think about it from your experience? I, I agree. And there's an art to it, right? I think there's a, people are always looking for this. There's a scientific approach and there are pieces of that that help you, like, you know, things that you and I teach, right? To help build those elements and integrate those into what you're doing. And there's also this art to it, right? Of you have to practice it and try it and see what works and what doesn't and what resonates and what, what doesn't. And, you know, a lot of times I think to your point on ego, you know, I, I've been in different places and, and we all fight that at some, at some level, right. Of, you know, comparing myself to other coaches and speakers and, Ooh, what are they doing? Or is Karen's podcast better than mine? And like <laughs> all these things, right. Did you think about it? <laughs> I did. <laughs> but, but it's, it's interesting when we take a step back, I, I always tell a story too, of, I had this about five years into my business, I had a pretty big shift in, in business. And it was, one mindset shift that I had. I was going into this speech. I was preparing. I, I have my home office here in Colorado. And, you know, when people aren't around, I'll walk over here to the living room and I practice my speech. And I was getting ready for a speech the next day. And this, I had this, again, another epiphany, if you will. And it's the simplest thing, but it changed everything for me. And it was this. The thought was, this speech tomorrow literally has nothing to do with me. That was the thought. It has nothing to do with me. It's all about them. And my job is to go help one person in the crowd, hopefully many, but like one person to help get through whatever they're going through, right? Or help them optimize. Mm -hmm. And that one shift like takes away all ego because you can't have an ego when you're focused on other people. And Maybe that's finding the best for the company. It's the best structure for the team. I mean, it's the best process. I don't know what it is, the best mm -hmm. training program to put your people through. I don't know what it is. But if we set ourselves aside and think about like, what do they need? What is that individual or the team? Or like, what, what's going to be best for them? Ego vanishes because it's not about you. And, and you know, even that speech, I could have walked on stage with my uh, food in my teeth my hair could have been, I for, maybe forgot to do my hair that day or something horrible could have gone wrong with my jacket and I ripped my jacket or something. End of the day, it doesn't matter because if I take that focus, if it's about them, not me, everything changes. And I'm so thankful for that lesson because from a leadership perspective, it takes all the pressure away. It really does. Like the pressure, I felt it melt away and I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is going to be fun. Instead of, oh, if I don't say this or at this right time or this, if I don't say this perfect sentence this way, the pressure goes away because it's about them, not me. And I think from a leadership perspective too, when someone else has that idea or whatever, that's when you can be excited about because it. it's not about you. It's about them and be excited for them. That's amazing. It's so true. And you know, it's like being as a servant, right? As leaders, now we need to serve our employees, our customers, our community. So it changes the perspective. I'm only... Like kind of a tool to make it better for my clients. So I'm not in the middle. And another thing that you said that resonated within me that you talked, it actually enables us to not be attached to the results. Because when we are attached to the, to the outcomes, 
we kind of constructed, we don't have space to, to be present in this place and to enable things to come through us because we are so attached to it. So we not really present with, with what wants to arise. But once we are not, we are coming to serve others. So we're really listening. So we let go of the results and the outcomes. And then it could be a great outcome. I think this is also something that we need to nourish nowadays to do the best we can and let go of the outcomes and, and trust ourselves and the process that the right outcome and the creative one will emerge. What do you think? Yes. Bobby? Yes. And I, that's, I think one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. At least it is right. And it's a hard thing for me. And to your point, I've had to learn over the years to continue to work on that because you know, I think there's a reality of these things are going to crop up. Like we're going to have, we're going to think about the results, right? Because we're going to be forced to at some point. I'd be curious your opinion on this too. I always think to myself, like, it's really about how long am I lingering in that space before I get back to continue to take action, right? On what the things I can control. And when I talk about you know, mental toughness or this having a strong mindset, the way I always, I'm a simple guy. So the way I always simply describe it is all we're trying to do is close the, the time gap between getting off track and getting back on. Mm -hmm. So we all have these things, at least I do, where they, you know, something throws us off. It derails us, takes the train off the tracks. And maybe the train's off the tracks for five weeks. Okay. Well, how do we, like surround ourselves with good people or start training or doing the sorts of things or coaching, whatever, where that five weeks over time becomes maybe five days. And then over time, we continue to refine it where it becomes five minutes and then it becomes five seconds. Like, But it, all we're trying to do is close that time gap. And mm -hmm. I think that's what you're talking about, uh, at least the way I kind of interpret it is the process is what's going to get you to the end result. And so if we're having a really good result or maybe a really bad result, it's that indicator, right? It's the scoreboard from an athletic perspective of like, am I winning or losing? Or are we tied? And what adjustments do I need to make? Well, the longer we're stuck staring at the scoreboard, whether it's good or bad, the less time that we're spending doing the things that are going to make us successful or position us to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, glance at that indicator. And we have to train ourselves to do that to make sure we're going in the right direction, but then get back to the things that are, are really serving us, right. Or get back to optimizing the performance of our teammates. And like, what do we need to do to help them be successful back to that kind of servant mindset. And that's the way I kind of look at it, right. We're always going to glance, at least I do. And I find myself sometimes lingering in that place where I shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And I've got to remind myself again, close that time gap of like, Oh, yep, Matt, you're in that space again. Let's get back to like, what's the action I can take now to help either <laughs> emphasize that even more or get a better result or uh, we got to make some adjustments here. I really love it. And I do agree with you, really agree with you because I, for me, it's like, what does it mean being mindful and mindful either? Because we have our path, but we sometimes move out of our path, but the ability to be aware of it and to reflect upon it and take ourselves back to the path, this is our a neuroplasticity and ability to handle resilience, adversity. And you know, I, I must say on myself, from my experience in the past, when I was making a mistake, I was 
really tough with myself, judging myself and being attached to it and not letting it go. And I was stuck there. And as I evolved, I learned to let go quicker and to yes. be compassionate toward myself. Okay, I made a mistake. I'm a human being. That's not pleasant, but I, I'm not doing yes. that so much, right? And I'm letting go and coming back even quicker to continue on. So this, I think, is the muscle that we need to practice. Also being compassionate toward ourselves, loving ourselves, not judging too much because we can be demanding toward ourselves from out of love and not of, of judgment and self-criticizing that we're really good at it. So this actually connects and circles back to to building our confidence, right? Because mm-hmm. when we're confident with ourselves, we understand that we're human beings and t- sometimes we succeed, sometimes we uh, make mistakes and we evolve and learn from it and go- continue on. So true. You know, we've all, I'm sure, read the books and, you know, we hear, uh, you are enough. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people out there don't think that. They don't feel it, you know, not thinking. That don't feel it. Yes. It, right. Yes, you're right. That's the number one thing where it's like, if we have to build that in ourselves first. And I almost feel like that too. It's like, I'm enough. I, I, don't, I don't know what you think too. I think it sometimes gets a bad, it's almost misunderstood a little bit. If we're confident in ourselves, then we're cocky and we don't want to come across that way because we've, we've been taught to be humble and because that's what leaders are supposed to do. And, and yet again, it's no, you can still, I believe you can be confident in yourself and still be humble. And, and I always love asking people the question of, you know, are you good at receiving compliments? And a lot of times people aren't, and I used to not be. Because what I do is they'd say, oh, Matt, that was really good, whatever. And I'd say, thank you. But, you know, we went. So as soon as I say, but I've taken it away. Like I just took your compliment and kind of threw it away. And I completely discounted myself. And it's so it's even training ourselves to be okay with hey, Matt. That was great at this. Thank you. Yep. And be present with it. Yeah, and just sitting there and being, thank you. It's, and it can feel awkward until you try it. Mm-hmm. Or if anything else, just remove the but or however. Because it's a thank you. The team did a lot of work to make it happen. The, I worked really hard at that. It's, you don't have to answer anything. You don't have to have an explanation of why it was good <laughs> in the first place. Because that's that place of confidence. Say thank you first. And if you feel like you need to say something afterwards, it's positive and there's no but, there's no discounting yourself because you, you were complimented for a reason. And you said something and I believe that as we are more confident with ourselves, we don't need to show to be ignorant. You know, I think we have so confidence that we don't need to talk too much and to show that we're here because we, we can be only present and if it, even all the space for others to show up and only guide them to this. So I really believe that as leaders, as we are more present and mindful, we're also more humble and it doesn't take anything for us, but give much more value to people, to our teams and people around us. I want to ask you if you have a few more tips for our listeners. What do you think for them if they want to, to walk on this journey and to, to evolve as leaders and managers? What else will you offer them to do differently tomorrow morning? You know, the one thing I'll stay on the, the confidence piece for the moment, and we as humans are very quick to forget. And the brain is set up to protect us first and then to become logical and create second, right? And do all these other things. 
but its first priority is to keep us safe. And the reason I say that is sometimes we're facing something in our life or in our business or in our, as a leader that all of a sudden, and I've had these, I have lots of stories behind these, but all of a sudden this one thing becomes a, a mountain that feels overwhelming and daunting and we don't know where to start and we don't know how we're going to overcome it or, or deal with it. And in those moments, the brain is, is creating this story of how big it could be or how big it is to protect us. And that's a, again, a beautiful thing, but we're quick to forget because everyone listening, you've overcome so much and there are small things and there are medium sized things and there are big things, but we need to start remembering those things. Because what you're facing going forward, and I don't know what specifically you're facing, right? It could be something huge. But remember where you've been. Remember where you've come from. Remember the power that you have. Remember the adversity you've faced and worked through. And leverage that as power to deal with that thing. And the quicker we remember, the faster we are to move forward through that. And all of a sudden, it's not a mountain. It's actually a little, little hill that we can work through. So I encourage everyone to start making a list of those things. We have one of our concepts is called game film review. And I don't mean from, you know, we're not going to tape you at like video you at work and then have you watch like, oh, how you sat at your desk, all stuff like they do in athletics. But it's starting a list of the things that you did well or things you overcame so that when the time comes, because it's coming, at least I face stuff every single day that I've got to overcome and figure out that I can go back to mm-hmm. and look at and be like, Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Done it before I can do it again. I know this is different. I know it, it, it's going to be, you know, different level of complexity, all that level, all that stuff, but I've done it before I can do it again. And that just closes that time gap. So start the list because the quicker you look at the list, the faster you are to take action on the thing in front of you. That's probably the number one thing that's based on our conversation, Karen, that I wanted to say to your listeners today. Amazing. It's like being appreciative of your strengths, right? Putting your attention on the good things and enlarging them. And then from this place, you can connect to your strengths and capacity to continue on. I really love it. Yes. Thank you very much. It was really an exciting uh, uh, conversation that we could continue for hours. I believe people will want to reach out. Where can they find you? Yeah, easiest way is I'm a big user of LinkedIn. So head over to linkedin.com and my linkedin.com slash IN slash Matt Phillips 15, Matt Phillips 15. You can connect with me there, please. Um, and then the other way, if you're interested, is a couple of things. If you go over to the website at mattphillipscoaching.com, if you do slash metrics, you can get a little sales leader metrics cheat sheet if you are in the numbers and want to know how to kind of motivate your team and looking at data is kind of supportive of it. Um, and you can sign up for our newsletter there. Obviously, we send out a weekly newsletter just with our podcast and all those sorts of things too, where you can learn and get to know kind of what we talk about and how we talk. But those are kind of a couple of ways that you can connect with us, connect with us today. Great. Matt, thank you for showing up and sharing your experience. I enjoyed the conversation. Well, thank you very much for having me. And, and it was so much fun. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.